nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. My name's Devin. We're here to discuss a contentious week of a two to ones, two to one Vancouver over Austin FC, a scorching hot two to one. Uh, Austin FC defeats the mighty Nebraska Furniture Mart uh, denizens of Sporting KC. And uh, with me to talk about this today are uh, Charles Peacock of the False Nine, uh, Brad Tillery, and Seth, who knows everything. Uh, Seth, since we talked this morning about uh, the coming League's Cup, and we'll get that episode out soon enough for y'all too. Uh, how are you feeling today? You know, um, the smoke has gone down here in Chicago since this morning, so I'm feeling even better this afternoon. All right. Uh, Brad, how about you? Uh, you know, kind of got what we expected out of the week, so no complaints. Yeah, Charles? Uh, you know, drained a little dehydrated from the match yesterday, but I'm feeling good about, you know, having a win at win before League's Cup play. Yeah, uh, looking forward to getting that game kicked off whenever it happens on Friday uh, with the rules that are still yet to be determined, as Seth and I uh, kind of outlined and we just hinted at. Um, so we had two games this week, uh, Vancouver two, Austin one. This one's a little odd of a game. Uh, Vancouver scores 30 seconds, maybe even less than that into the game. And, uh, kind of all hell breaks loose from there. Not in like a, you know, crazy people are punching each other, CONCACAF Nations League way, but, um, it just didn't seem like, you know, the, the game kind of flowed too well for me. Um, but also it was, you know, it. 9.30 p.m. on a Wednesday, so maybe I was just tired. Um, no, there is, <laughs> no, the games do not flow well at BC Place. <laughs> that, as someone who has been to two games at BC Place in person, it is, I, I do appreciate, Apple's obviously not perfect, and on the messy network next, but we've got um, everything here. But it does accurately show just how bad that pitch is, and I just am convinced that, yes, we've had a lot of injuries on grass. Turf is not the all the problems in the world. But, like, that turf and New England's turf are just such an embarrassment to the league. Like, at least, like, Portland's turf or Seattle's turf, like, they're playable surfaces. Like, they're, they're fine. Like, that, like, I just don't even know. I, I I was honestly surprised we even started Seba on Wednesday. And, like, when he came off of the hammy, it's like, oh, okay, he's going to get hurt on turf again. Like, this is, especially that type of turf, like, it, it's really a disservice to the league. And the fact that the World Cup is being played there, they're going to put grass down there. They have a roof. Try to somehow get a full grass surface at BC Place. It can't be worse than this. Don't don't ever challenge MLS or Concacaf on it can't be worse than this. Uh, uh fair point. point I Abby, mean, we I guess we could have a skating rink with a Nickelback concert there. It could be worse. We could. Yeah, so the question for me is: Do they care more about having turf for MLS or having turf for the BC Lions? So the, the Toronto, I was at an Argos game in Toronto less than two weeks ago. The Argos play at BMO Field, the other CFL MLS venue, because Montreal doesn't play. The Alouettes play somewhere else. They don't play at the Stade Chaputo. But, like, it's a grass field, and there's no issue with it. I don't know. Uh, like all things, I'm going to blame Justin Trudeau. <laughs> so, well, uh, well, yeah, I mean. Uh, as good of an answer as any, but uh, I mean, we give up this silly goal. Um, and for those of you who've forgotten, since we obviously played another game since then, this is literally, I think, eight minutes after the U.S. is knocked out of the Gold Cup on penalties. Um, basically, just uh, ball gets kicked off, Finley gets kind of trapped, turns it over, they hoof it deep, 
Um, guy does a really good job to bring it down. Pass open. Nobody's tracking back. Wide open player right there. Slots it between Stewart's legs. One nothing. And um, our dreams of going undefeated in Cascadia look like they've taken a little bit of a hit. Charles, how are you feeling? Uh, it, it was one of those weird like gut punch moments in sports that you get because uh, you know you're kind of used to like both teams like feeling out the game a little bit and blah blah blah. And instead, it was just like, oh, we immediately pushed too many people forward and got beat for it. And it was took all of like 20 seconds. Um, just for that like immediate sense of like, oh, this is bad. It's a Wednesday road match. You know, we, besides winning in Seattle, I'm not sure we've won one of these. I'm sure Seth will cool. Seth will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it just, it, You're right. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it, it just had that moment of like, oh no, here we go again. Yeah, and um, as we kind of mentioned, like the playing surface, especially because we're kind of like, a, let's pass the ball around, let's possess it. Um, you know, not just from an injury standpoint, but like a flow of the game and like actually being able to control the ball, it's an absolute shit mess. So we're already kind of behind the eight ball, but I mean, we came out and I thought we played relatively well. Um, it was pretty much an even match for me. I don't know if y'all saw anything different in the first half. No, I, I want to go back to that first opening goal real quick though, because I saw two wild ass takes to me. One was from Josh Wolf, um, where he was like somehow putting blame on Kippy there. And I'm like, that's your only center back that was apparently aware that they were going for a goal and tracking back. That was in uh, the center end back. That was where he was supposed to be, <laughs> or at least in a rough general area of where he was supposed to be. So let's stop there for number one. Number two, I saw some fans with the take that Stuver has to stop that shot and should never get beat between the legs. Dude, he was running from one end of the goal or from the middle out to try to cut down the area and just trying to get his balance and do anything to make it somewhat tough to score. Like, I don't know what the hell you expect from the guy when he's got one-on-one inside the six. Like, yeah, I mean, you see keepers get beat between the wickets all the time. Yeah. Um, you basically spread your legs out and try to make yourself big and – you know, you try to cover that, but, you know, making yourself bigger so somebody can't just, um, you know, tap it in directly around you is kind of the, the name of the game. And I'm sure, you know, none of us are goalkeeping experts, but uh, I would never, like, criticize. I was say, someone who was a keeper through high school, at least, and then I, then everyone else was taller than me, and that was the end of that. that like, but, like, I remember going to, like, one of the first things you learn is, like, a seven- or eight-year-old at a goalkeeping camp is that if you're facing a one-on-one situation, you make yourself as big as possible. Yeah. And, yeah, sometimes they're going to shoot it through <laughs> you, but, like, then you're going to deny two other lanes rather than just keeping it right there. there. And then, like, if Stuber's legs are together there, oh, they shoot it to the left or to the right. The outcome's the same. Yeah, I, I play. I'm not an expert either, Seth, but I play keeper on my rec league that I play because I am tall. Um, <laughs> and I played baseball and football and stuff growing up, so I'm used to using my hands. There's only so much you can do. Like in a situation where a guy is literally two yards or a yard from you, you have no time to react. There's just only so much you can do at that point. I don't know how the hell we have fans that are trying to put blame on Stuver for that goal because it just drives me insane. I mean, some of that is also just like how good Stuver is that we kind of inherently expect him to block every shot. Um, and I know a lot of fans do that, but it's also just like some fans just view any goal as being the goalkeeper's fault no matter what, which is just really unfair to the position in general. And like, you know, you look at the goals that Austin gives up, the goals we give up are always shots in the six yard box by unmarked players. And I would just love 
one season for Stuver to have a like really competent defensive line in front of him to see how he would just never give up goals then. Like if if players were properly marked, you would we would just never get scored on. <coughs> Last night, sporting KC. <coughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. <laughs> but I remember at the same time, Charles. I, I do have to slightly challenge you. Are you saying that Julio Cascante does not play defense? <laughs> I mean, we all watched the match last night, right? I saw who didn't mark their guy in the box inside the six last night for that goal. (laughs) Several people. I don't know. Let's do that one now. We're already on it. Um, This is another, uh, I'm sure people are saying Stuber should save this goal. I was amazed he got a hand on it. Yeah, I was legitimately amazed he got a hand on it. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, that player is unmarked on the on the backside of the box where, you know, Stuver has to completely move across goal to even get close to it. And he got a really good, like, he got a lot of power behind that. Like, that is a goal that nobody's going to save. No. Yeah. It, it, the, the blame for me is Cascante. If you, if, when you watch the replay, and last night I, I saw Devin at halftime, so we were like, eh, we need to go see the replay to see who it was on, but obviously somebody screwed up. Um but you can see on the replay, he's he's on the goal scorer. I forgot who scored the goal exactly. Rosero. Uh, okay, so he's on Rosero. And then Cascante takes a step forward to get on the backside of another player who's already marked and leaves Rosero alone. And that's where he takes off at. So for me, all the blame on the goal goes to Julio Cascante for just leaving his mark. Yeah, and I don't know how like we set up on either that corner specifically or like all of our corners, if we do kind of like a half zone, half man thing, or like somebody who's supposed to be tracking him and Julio should pick him up if they don't like, there's a bunch of stuff that goes into this, but like I'm with you, you look at that Julio's kind of with the guy and then he just isn't. And it's very clearly like a, the way he's running, like he's looking for the ball. He's not out there kind of like, okay, I'll clean up or I'll send the ball back in. He, He has this look in his eyes. That's like, Oh, this is coming to me. And I mean, if you're face up with him, you can see that. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's some mix of man and zone because there's like four guys in the six who are not marking anyone. <laughs> yeah, I was maybe gently hoping uh, alongside uh, guessing there. Um, but I mean, I guess let's just do do it this way. We'll do them scatter shots since we did two of the three goals we gave up. Uh, and we'll talk about the uh, the one that uh, people are kind of saying Kip shoved over Stuver in Vancouver, which ends up being the game-winning goal. Um a lot of problems with this one. Uh, I think the guy gets in behind our D too easily, kind of turns Kip too easily, sends Kip flying too easily. Then we get to this weird moment where Stuver goes down and Kip can't block the shot. Uh, Vancouver guy places it really well. Um, what were your guys' thoughts? Well, even starting it off, Kip misses. Kip doesn't step up to draw an offside on uh, Cordova. That's That was the first mistake which we've seen from him before. And then every other mistake cascades from there. Yep. Yeah. So it was, when I look at the goal, obviously Kip gets beat first. And it was a hell of a pass, by the way, that, that was there to that initially beat Kip. It's not so much that he was standing by Stuber, which he shouldn't have been because he's in a space there. And Stuber actually went on Twitter and I think, took the blame. He said, I was telling Kip to stay there and I got faked out. Okay. I'll take him at his word. I have no reason not to um, in the interactions I've ever had with Brad. He's always been very forthright, but Kip, when he gets beat, 
Your first reaction should not be run and stand next to your keeper. It needs to be pester the guy with the ball and make his life harder. (laughs) Don't just let him stand there and have literally four or five seconds to decide what he wants to do. And that's what bothered me more than anything with the kip on the play. Yeah, he gets turned inside out about three times on this play, and I think he literally just lost track of where he was. Um, it's also just like, I mean, we, have, we do have to look back at this, that Kip Keller, for the first time, probably since he was in college, and I don't, I don't have all his little stats and all of that, but like, he played 270 minutes this week, and a week where you had a game in, what you call it, Minnesota, Vancouver, and Austin, like, that's a lot. Like it is, especially for someone who hasn't been going. I mean, yes, he's been playing some. He's been playing a fair number of minutes for FSC too, but that's a completely different type of game than this is. Like to be like, hey, you've barely played any MLS the last year and a half, and you're gonna go throw you out there for 270 minutes straight. Like eh, it could have been worse. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a pile of god because I thought last night in the Kansas City game he played pretty well. I, I did not. I didn't see anything egregious out of Kip that bothered me. I thought he was serviceable and at this point that's kind of just what I need out of what I think we need out of him until we get some more help and get healthy again. Yeah, on that yeah. front, I thought it was interesting on the the play Danny gets injured on, we get a free kick and we basically run a design play to get Kip a header in the box. He hits it over. People are saying he should have scored it, maybe he should have, you know, like you see better center backs than Kip Keller miss this chance all the time. Um but I thought it was interesting as almost like a statement of confidence that like, Hey, we're going to either try to build this guy up or we know we're stuck with him. One of the two. Uh, And so we're going to try to like literally work this play around uh, getting him embedded in the game and getting him like feeling good. It was a beautiful chip by Diego on that pass. Yeah. That was perfectly placed. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's also a function of just like, you know, Kippy's not a small human and like he does, he is strong in the air and we've seen him, the last few matches when he started that he can win those headers in the box, even in a crowded box. And it's, you know, considering how much we usually target Cascante and how much defenses um, have, have kind of uh, adjusted to, to crowding him, being able to go to another option who can even just win that header in the box is a big deal. Yeah. Um, I was looking at it more from like a people are, you know, looking at that uh, post-Vancouver game and saying, well, there's no way we can start Kip. And, like, the first thing we do is, hey, Kip, uh, go ahead and and hammer one home for us. So, um, I mean, do we think he's going to be starting League's Cup alongside Brandon Craig? Or are we going to play Julio? Like, I have no idea what kind of lineup we're going to run out there. Yeah, I mean, we we, we were talking about this on the earlier podcast. Like, we have no idea what the rules are for League's Cup. Uh, But based on, uh, like, we don't know the roster rules five days before a competition. It is still crazy to me. But um, if I were them, I would – I think running out a back line of Kip and Brandon Craig is dangerous, and I wouldn't recommend that even in a League's Cup type setting. But as going through everything else there, I think – you probably start with Kippy bring in Craig at a certain point. In that, also, if Ring is off training to the side, he might be ready for Friday. I think it's more realistic that he's ready for the 29th. And it's a question of where does Ring go in there? But also now, depending on how long Danny's out for, you might need Ring in the midfield more than you need him on the back line. I am very team punt on League's Cup. So we go to an out, I don't care. Uh, with the injuries and everything right now, I am 
I've, I've got a whole reason that we can get into why I'm this. For me, I would start Kip and Craig together and see what you have and let some young guys get some minutes and see who you can roll with later on in the year. Um, if we still need, if Leo's not back in time, who will we trust more? Is it going to be Craig? Is it going to be Kip? Uh, when we get into MLS push this last third of the season and playoff time. So I have the I have the in between ground. This works out great. I think Austin should play a, a full starting eleven on Friday and see how the results are going and whether or not they should really go for it in the second game or not. Because if they lose the first game and there's and it's you know it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to advance, then like yeah, just throw Kippy and Craig out there because it doesn't matter. Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, but so you run into this weird situation in leagues cup where you only have nine points available in the group. And because they're using next pro rules with a shootout at the end, every match has three points. So you get to a world, even if you lose the first match, you could still make it through. And I, since I've already recorded this, I'm on the record of, we always want Austin FC to win. So it's like, especially, if, like, I will not personally be at, Q, at Q2 for either of the first two matches. I guess maybe if we make a DC run, I'll come back for them. But like, as you're going through this, like, in this tournament, like, we never want the team to lose, especially at home. So if we start from that logic point there, that we want them to win the group. The next best outcome is that we completely tank out, and the worst outcome is finishing second and having to go play LAFC after they've had a two-and-a-half-week break. Yes. Yeah, you got to win the group, because at least if you win the group, you, you don't have to travel until the semifinals at best right now. So well, if you're yeah. going to play to win, you got to win the group. I, yeah. Like I said, I am personally, let's get healthy. I, I just, I don't think this is an attainable trophy for us. Um, I do think because the West is a total shit show right now, I can see six teams coming out of the Western Conference. And because of that, I'd rather focus our energy on getting healthy and making a run late. Only six? Yeah, well, I'm not so, well, I think Houston can theoretically make the playoffs too. I think they're going to run. No. So I think Dallas yeah, is going to Balance is the night group too. Is it fair to is it fair for me to speak for everyone here that we want a Houston Frisco play in game in the Western Conference to start the Western Conference play? I would legitimately yes, consider driving to that game just to go see the show. Yeah. Same. That would be that that would be the ultimate chaos option, and I'm always rooting for chaos. Yeah. Okay. Especially if it was in Houston. Yeah. Yeah, in Houston, with, with, with like, and it's going to be on a Wednesday or Thursday night, so there'll be like fifteen thousand empty seats. At least like in Frisco, they probably fill up the place. Like, I want to, I want to drive to it, and I want all hundred and twenty minutes, and I'm just going to root for both teams to be total shit. That's, that's, that's all I want. Seven wait, red cards. Actually, no, that's actually a good question. Do they play the MLS? Now I am looking this up right now. Are the playing games ninety minutes or one hundred and twenty minutes? I would imagine because. <laughs> Google game, it's probably about 120, right? You would think. Uh, the wild card matches, I'm going through this right now. I would say, I would say, Brad, it's no, 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 here. no, 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 no extra time will be played, and teams will go straight to penalty. Kicks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then Herrera and Ferreira both miss PKs at some point, too. This has to happen. No, no, no. They're, they're, well, one of them will have gotten a red card in the match. That's <laughs> uh, um, appreciated by um, MLS's finest referee, Ted Uncle, who uh, did. You know what? Um, I was about to say, I, I would not give him a high marks for last night, but it worked in our favor. So, shrug. he had a. 
There was a great Ted Uncle moment that I was going to say, but in the 87th minute, he uh, blows a foul call that should have been on the side, and or no, it was an it was an in, it was an, uh, an out of bounds call. He blows it completely, and the Kansas City immediately throws it in, and they throw it in right at him, and it hits him. <laughs> and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen because it was just perfectly Ted Uncle in like 30 seconds. But you know, yeah. I do also have to give Ted Uncle a ton of credit. Ted Uncle had an amazing dummy in the buildup to our first goal. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was like a lot of refs at MLS would have screwed it up and we would have had like a set piece and we would have had like a quick pass set piece and like there would probably not have been a goal. It was homage to the, uh, the worst referee in the Premier League for many years, Mike Dean, uh, who used to do that all the time, getting uh, a voluntary retirement order yesterday. Congratulations on being resigned, Mike. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Couldn't happen to a nicer asshole. Maybe Ted Uncle. but um, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I actually got to do double duty with Ted Uncle this week, watching the uh, MLS All-Stars against Arsenal, and hope he doesn't let um, kill one of our players a month before the season starts. D- did you ever think that you'd ever see Ted Uncle refereeing an Arsenal match or no? Uh, no, I don't think I did. I don't think that ever crossed my mind as a possibility or like, maybe they like run him out in one of those like exhibition games where nobody's really trying, but I feel like MLS All-Star game, there's going to be like some level of effort maybe in like the first half. And like, we've actually got guys kind of playing for spots now instead of just, you know, kind of like our basic setup. So it's like literally the worst time for this to happen, not just... Um, you know, like uh, a friendly game between Arsenal and Man United in New York. Like, nobody's going to try to break anybody's leg in half, I don't think. Like, MLS All-Star game, like, with Ted Uncle, like, there's my moment of suffering, like, already. I was watching last night and then pre having to just worry about that all Wednesday. Ted Uncle would find a way to screw up Goldie Wars. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I was actually watching the film noir cinema classic Dodgeball earlier today, and uh, I was watching the referee at one point pull out a little um, piece of tassel and wave it in Ben Stiller's face, and I go, that's a warning, yellow card, and I could totally see Ted Uncle doing that exactly thing, <laughs> exact same thing. Um, just, uh, he, by the way, Owen had, like, the obvious, most obvious, obvious, obvious yellow card I've ever seen last night, and he just, like, walks over to Uncle afterwards and just goes... Well, I'm sorry. I just sort of missed. I didn't mean to. I'm just a little guy. And Ted's like, all right, screw it. Fine. Whatever. I'm going to go home. It's hot as shit out here. <sighs> you know what? I think my final note on Ted Uncle is that he is a proper Florida man, so he should have been at least somewhat ready for that. Just, We need to get like a high alert set up for the first Uncle Messi match. And hope it's against... Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Michael Boxall, that'd be my choice. <laughs> I mean, it can't be more dangerous than Messi just, like, driving in Florida. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really terrible. <laughs> uh, well, we've gone completely off the fucking rails already. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when you uh, get into off-season mode and you're a weird little mid-season tournament. Uh, let's talk about our goals this week. Does that sound fun? Yeah, Rodney I mean, scored. Of course, it's yeah, fun. yeah. Rodney, Rodney took a great chance. That I, that was so. That was just so great to see. As the damn, you got a second win last night too. Yeah, 
He deserved the second one last night. Yeah. He had he had a couple of good chances last night. Oh, he was there was a play where he was the defender made a really nice cut at the last minute to get in front of Rodney, but Rodney made a run to the penalty spot. And a pass was coming towards him. If, if the defender isn't there, it's a goal all day long. There, yeah, there was another one where there was like a header across the box, um, and Rodney's just like standing right there, and the, and the keeper got it. Had the keeper not gotten it, he would have scored. Yeah, he was in good position. He was in good positions all night. It's a bizarre universe we live in. But let's talk about his actual goal. Uh, we're down one nothing. Him and Rigoni come on um, right at halftime. I think this is kind of, kind of smart subbing. Uh, at the time, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" But uh, knowing we were going to have a bunch of, or you know, a bunch of loaded minutes on, and it was going to be hot as hell, um, it kind of makes sense to me, especially with the turf up there. Um, and this is, you know, two minutes into the second half. Um, I get a nice ball worked around. Owen kind of crashes into the opposing keeper. Ball squirts out. And I know it looks like it's an empty net. There's a defender there. There's a goalie getting up. It's a really easy shot. It's kind of bouncing. It's on the shitty, shitty turf. And Rodney just laces it absolutely perfectly underside of the top of the net. Like, couldn't have done it better from anybody. And, um, yeah, it was a great goal. Charles is our biggest Rodney fan. How did you feel? Uh, no, it felt great. Like, that that really was a, a perfect finish. Uh, I mean, the XG on it was only 0.16, so it's not like it was, like, the easiest chance in the world. Um, it was also good to see Owen making a run forward because I think that that's something that um, he doesn't provide as much, and sometimes that's a function of Drew UC occupying those spaces, but seeing him get forward and causing a little, um, a little chaos in the box is good, even though I was kind of surprised he didn't get called for a foul there. Um, especially but yeah, with the referee. Yeah, especially with that referee that night. But yeah, I mean, you have to take the chances that fall, and Rodney did a good job. Yeah, I mean, if he wants to smack in rebounds and score goals, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, I mean, that's Seth, how we scored last night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Seth, any thoughts? Rodney's uh, first uh, ever MLS goal. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad he like. I just thought the narrative of the week was really interesting. So you have Rodney getting pulled from the lineup on Saturday, thinking a move is in, imminent. You have um, Hernan over at We Are Austin TV going up on a move is coming, flash alert, flash alert, let me get some more attention on every social media platform. And then Rodney coming off the bench and shutting him up, scoring a goal, and then putting in a solid shift yesterday. Like... And especially with Rigoni going down, with Triussi's health being in or there, like, I can't see Rodney Redis leaving in this window. Rodney has had serious growth this year. If you just step back and look at his entirety of his season, yes, he's got two goals, one Open Cup, one MLS Cup. But the positions he's put himself in, the work rate he's done on defense, the fouls he's drawn, last night he drew a yellow card. um, And just kind of stopped some and slowed the game down. We needed to slow the game down. Uh, in the second half, he is progressing as a player. And I think he's made some really, really giant strides that don't just show up in the stats this year. Um, and if people step back and really see what he's contributing, it's it's been solid. Yeah, he's been um, incredibly helpful, especially, like you said, tracking back on those wings. And uh, as Charles and you both mentioned, like his off-ball runs have gotten insanely better. And I don't know if that's, um, off-season work he put in or, you know, Driussi's working with him or the coaching staff is working with him or what, but uh, it's been very impressive this year. 
Also, like, he's still a young player. Like, he's 23 years old. Like, it makes sense that he is developing. And I feel like, in retrospect, it was really stupid of the team to sign a 20-year-old in Paraguay to be our first um, ever player. But, like, okay, you probably want to have someone that you – is. And like, I feel like he's had a unfair – and, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have been hypercritical of the guy. I don't think – but, like – he gets to the point of like, okay, like he still is a professional soccer player out here and he's developing and he's developing into someone who could be maybe not a starter on this team, but an impact sub. And that's, that's not nothing. I mean, I think it's, it's, sorry. I mean, it's also a good reminder that like first season, like he was injured and was clearly not a hundred percent and still kept getting thrown out there. And I think that affected his confidence, uh, not just in himself, um, but just in what he could do last season, the I mean, the worst thing that happened to Rodney was was the the dancing gif viral um, thing that went on for like a week that Chris Bills hated. Um, and but really, like this season, he has made so much progress and does look so much better. And also, like it's not his fault Austin FC offered him a lot of money. Yeah, no, you're not wrong there. And I, I was gonna say, I think League's Cup is an opportunity for him to get some serious minutes. It, I would, Ethan Finley's been in great form lately. I, I, I'm not sitting here to saying bench Ethan Finley. What I'm saying is Ethan Finley is got some miles on him. Let's get some rest and let's play the young guy and get him some more experience in a, in a competitive match. You know, we're not playing uh, a friendly here. These are actually competitive matches that matter. Put Rodney out there and see what he can do. Put Sophie and Jafal out there. Um, get those guys minutes that haven't been getting any minutes this year and start thinking about the rest of the year. But we could talk about depth that we don't have. We don't have depth. It's because the depth guys aren't getting minutes and you can't get better without play. So this is a perfect opportunity to play. I, I mean, if there's something actually wrong with Seba, we may be moving Diego inside and putting Rodney out there as our first 11 at the moment. Yeah. So uh, you may get minutes, whether it's a, uh, he needs them or out of necessity. Uh, I, I think you're going to see him uh, at least these two League's Cup games. So I, I realize we are not really on track, but I wanted to digress here. Did did people agree with that move? Because I kind of thought that that ruined the, the tempo and kind of the playing style of the team. And I thought it would have been smarter to just keep Diego on the wing where he gets the ball more and have either Rodney or Jafal play inside. I had no problem with it. Diego played the 10 in uh, New England. Uh, for quite a while so he knows how to play the position I think also with our options on the field at that time he's the best with the ball at his feet and distributing a ball around um, so for me it, it made sense to put him there if Rigoni's healthy I think that's Rigoni's spot but obviously we had no option there and with the options we had last night Diego made sense to me uh, I think it was so goddamn hot it was hard to tell what was affecting the players and what was kind of killing off the game so I'm not sure if it was, you know, moving him in. So I agree with you. Like, we weren't flowing with the ball as much. But, uh, I mean, like, there were guys who came on who, like, 20 minutes after they had been subbed on were, like, couldn't run. Um, and it was it was hard to tell, like, if it was just, okay, well, Diego's not quite as good on this spot or Rodney's not quite as good on this spot or if it was just everybody's so completely out of gas that you can't really tell. I don't know. I don't know. Seth, did you see anything on the uh, – the TV rewatch? Um, I mean, we've covered most of the things that I, I mean, there is, I mean, I, my, my comment is still always just going to be like how bad things are. 
um, up in Vancouver on TV rewatch. And I just like got to the point where I had to pause my TV sometimes. I'm just like, this pass should have gone here. It did not go here. This is frustrating. Um, I will say like the second half, I mean, I was exhausted watching it live because I was on a train um, for a part of it um, coming back from a game. But I'm um, in rewatching it this morning. Like that was like the second half yesterday was as perfect of a second half as we could have had all things considered. I mean, you've already lost Dan and we haven't really talked about Danny's injury in this. I mean, we've talked a little bit about Seba's here, but like and a little bit about Brigoni's, but like. Danny's injury was pretty scary last night. And like rewatching that on replay was like, oh gosh, like I, I, admittedly, I've never broken my collarbone and I hope to never break that. And I, apparently that's not what happened, but like to my untrained, not a doctor eyes, that's what it looked like. And if that's the case, like he's done for the year and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And I mean, I think I said it literally on the last uh, episode last week. Um, Danny is the player we have the hardest time replacing on this team. Uh, assuming everybody else is healthy, obviously big caveat there because he does so many different things that we don't have anybody on the roster that can kind of do all in one package. Uh, so when he goes down, like I didn't think the guy like hit him that hard initially. And then um, he got up and he looked like he was in real pain. And I was just like, Oh shit. It kind of reminded me of uh, you'll see quarterbacks in uh, American football get kind of slammed to the ground. And it looked kind of like he was holding his shoulder that way, uh, which is usually uh, like an AC joint injury. And like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what this, looks like uh for a soccer player especially but um i don't think it's light uh i'm assuming you know they haven't said anything useful in the in the post game or anything no why would they do that no that would be too helpful um but yeah i i think this is another in the like let's experiment with midfield and not take leagues cup too uh too seriously moments but, I mean, Rigoni might be back by kind of early uh, when we kick MLS back off. Um, Seba, we have no idea on, but that's kind of like we think it's that recurring bit he's had, uh, and it always seems to flare up in Vancouver. Uh, Danny, question mark. I mean, we still got Leo out long term. This is starting to pile up. And uh, at this point, I, I think, yeah, the, the closer we get to, like, maybe let's, you know, win our group or finish second in our group and get uh, get out of our group in a league's cup and then lose that next game. That's still plenty of time to, to recover or something, but we need to get healthy if we're going to make a run um, towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I actually think the league's cup break is going to help us because we have so many injuries and it's not going to affect our MLS schedule at all. You know, when I saw, I had a different angle because I was in the supporter section for Danny's injury. And it looked to me like they immediately were calling for the stretcher because of how injured he was. So I was surprised to see him come back on. But you could tell immediately that he he came on and somebody, uh, somebody kind of like touched his shoulder. There's some kind of like little like nothing incident. And he immediately was just like, nope, I can't do this. And like he like, and it was very clear at that point it was something serious. There was, and then about ten minutes before Driusi came off, there was a little break for injury, and I saw Driusi grab the the magic spray mm-hmm. and spray his hamstring. And as soon as he did that, I immediately was like, "Oh, this is bad! Like this, there's something going on here." So I wasn't that surprised when he went down because it clearly had been bothering him all game, and it also might have just been like a precautionary thing of like, I don't want to do this worse than it already is. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping the Drew UC one's precautionary, but uh, 
you never know and those things can get aggravated and just kind of go at some certain time and i'm sure like um the heat not being completely hydrated didn't help them i was a also, little surprised Drees even played in vancouver yeah it's known that he's had issues on that turf uh, and on turf in general. Uh, it was three game week. Just kind of made sense. If you were going to sit him or maybe only play him 20, 30 minutes, it might've been the Vancouver game and you start Sophie on um, to, or mess with the lineup some other way. Just kind of baffled me there that we played him and we might've re-aggravated something that didn't have to happen because it seems like the injury for Dragusi started in Vancouver. Yeah, did anyone, since we were kind of hinting at this, did anyone think it was weird Dragusi comes off on the 43rd minute that we didn't just, like, play till halftime or try to ask him to tough it out? I had the very same conversation with my friend last night. So I, I was sitting next to him going, I would, if it was me, I'd have played down a man for the next six, seven minutes to save the, the substitution window. Um, I was happy to see Josh use the halftime to make one of his uh, subs to save that third window um, and bring on Maxi for Zardis. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I would have probably tried to play down and just see if you can get to the half. Yeah. I mean, we ended up, it's amazing for our game where we used two sub windows in the first half. We actually didn't use all five subs yesterday. Yeah. I thought that was actually kind of insane. And especially with how hot it was, um, you know, I guess, you know, he's, uh, the the last one we end up using is, you know, late in the game, we bring on um, Bruin and obviously we're saving it in case there's another injury. And that's why we waited to do it so late. But like at that point, you know, it's 10 minutes, just throw someone else on. Like you have Lundquist there. Um, I, could, I couldn't at, believe at first, that Jafal didn't play. That was wild to me. Yeah. I couldn't believe Jafal didn't play. I was, I'm with you. I'm a little surprised Lundquist didn't get some run out. That would have made sense to me. When they when I saw Will Bruin putting a shirt on at first, I'm like, what in the hell are we doing right now because it, it made zero sense to me because we'd already made the maxi sub and then we switched to a full-time 4-4-2 which we usually only play in defensive shape we actually played it just full 4-4-2 the entire time broom was on it started to make sense like okay we're gonna try to shut down some passing lanes make it a little tougher for uh casey to get through the middle in this last uh portion and close out the game so as much as I give shit to Josh Wolf, and this was going to be my stock up, so I'll just kind of jump to it real quick. Josh Wolf made some really good moves, I thought, especially last night to secure a game that I think earlier in the year, last night is a game we walk out of with a draw. That's a game that we would have found a way to give up the lead, given the issues, and probably drop points at home. I see signs of improvement on this team. And it's games like last night where the improvement is starting to happen because they found a way to grind out a gutty, gutty win on a tough night to play. And I'm more excited over a game like last night than I was 3-0 over Dallas's beater C team, if I'm being straight honest with you. No, Brad, I I 100% agree with you on that take. Like, this is a team that they have to mature and be able to hold on to these games. And I – my – my thoughts and feelings going into the half yesterday were like, oh, shit, we gave up one. Sebo's off the field. We are playing without all of our DPs. We're playing without, effectively, our fourth DP and Danny Pereira. Like, this is a prime moment where we're going to blow a 2-0 lead at home. And, 
oh crap, it's the season starts spiraling from here. And it didn't happen. And, and honestly, like we didn't really even sit back. We had the better chances in the second half last night. Like that was a perfect storm. They bring on Alan Polito and Johnny Russell. They're two best playmakers on that team. And we pretty much held them in check. Yeah, we did a I, great job on a <clears throat> on most of the night, even though we were kind of leaving him open in pockets, uh, we were cutting off the lane still. We did a great job on uh, Eric Tommy, who absolutely destroyed us a month ago. Well, it was also interesting that they were playing Polito in more of a, like a reserve striker position instead of up front. Um, so I was very surprised that, uh, or it it worked out really well for us because it put him up against Valencia as opposed to him running off of Cascate and uh, Kip for the rest of the match. And I thought Vermes, you know, made kind of a tactical error there. Yeah, but we'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Great job, guy. Like, <laughs> Sometimes we get a benefit from those two. Uh, but before we got there, uh, we haven't talked about the goals yet. Uh, I feel like we spent so much time in the first couple months of this podcast ragging on Ethan Finley and Jossie Zardes that they're just taking uh, the most recent games as a personal revenge tour on me. Uh, and I'm fine with it. That's cool. Um, keep it up, guys. But, so, um, yeah, no coincidence, by the way. The first time Austin FC ever wins three straight MLS home games, those two have scored in each of those games. Yeah. We do have to note that technically it is not the first time we have won three straight home games. We did win four straight home games just over two seasons, as we eventually get earlier. But, yes, we'll give it. Okay, fair. Yeah, I guess, yeah, at first I, I thought about I didn't think about end of 21. Yeah, he's sort, sort of doing the Tiger Slam of sorts there. Okay, fair. Yeah, so we won the uh, last two of 2021, the first two of 2022. Seth is technically correct, the best kind of correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, first goal, actually, um, it's kind of Josh Ball a little bit to perfection. We bring the ball in, we swing it back out. Um, in swing or cross, uh, Zardes gets a good head on it. And, like, people are kind of criticizing him for not scoring on that header. I thought the keeper did well. Also, Jossie does the most important thing, which is put it on fucking net and make the keeper make a save. Um, Keeper makes a good save. He just pops in the rebound. Uh, Easy goal. Um, Yeah. Anything you guys want to add on there? No, I thought it was a really good service in by Gallagher. Yep. Um, You know, not great defense by... Kansas City, but really nice that Jossie was able to put it away. And he quietly, very quietly, Jossie is at the beginning of the year, I think we all was like, hey, he's been averaging 10 goals a year, roughly, or scored more than 10 in, I, I want to say, like eight of his last nine seasons. If he can get to that 10 goal mark, we'd be pretty excited. He's at six with 11 MLS games to go. It's not out of the question that man's going to score 10 this year. No, not if we can keep him moving. And then, I mean, Right back at it, uh, very similar, like kind of uh, uh, cross comes across. They uh, One of their guys gets a foot to it, um, our boy Ethan. Uh, big fans of Ethan Finley on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, takes it and just smashes it. And, uh, you know, I think their keeper kind of can do or should do better here. But, I mean, he puts it in a tough spot. Keeper doesn't save it. We're up to nothing 20 minutes in. I don't know that their guy got a defender or got a foot to it. When you watch that replay, so it was Diego using the outside of his foot to make a pass into the box that was aimed at Owen. And the ball lands about a yard or so behind Owen and just takes a real fortuitous bounce to Finley. Hmm. And just nobody's over there. 
But I don't think the ball was intended for Finley at all. No. Finley uh, 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 finds a way. It was also uh, what I was talking about earlier of, of Owen getting forward and drawing that defender there that leaves Finley open on the backside like that. And, you know, that's such an important part of the system of trying to get those wingers uh, as an overload player on the outside. And, yeah, I, I mean, I think the keeper should do better, personally. I didn't think it was that hard of a shot. I think a better keeper saved that. Um, and it's a little bit of a soft goal, but, I mean, it worked out for us. Uh, yeah, he was just parched from from the heat. He couldn't get, quite get down to get to it. He also kept looking uh, up at the supporter section during the match. Like it was very clear that um, he was not handling the noise well. Yeah, he looked very nervy, um, not just on the goals, but kind of in general. But, oh, uh, speaking of not handling noise, Sporting. Uh, I'm just going to jump in and shit on Sporting KC's traveling contingent because it is the first traveling contingent I have ever seen sit down for the entire match and not do one chant the entire game. Did they, did they even cheer for their goal? Barely. But so, so as I think I was explaining this to you on Slack, but for people who are not deep in random threads, that as we look through their supporters, Sporting KC is one of three teams I know of in the league that gives out free away tickets, not just to their supporter section, but to any season ticket member. So if, as long as you have reasonable proof that you are traveling to a city, they will give you a ticket. So a lot of the people there might have just been like randos from their, not from their supporter section, but just like random sporting KC fans that wanted to, hey, we're giving you, a, instead of a $60 ticket, you get a free ticket. You want to go to Austin for a weekend. I mean, I don't know why anyone wants to go to Austin for a weekend in the middle of July, but to each their own. And um, yeah, so a lot of those people might not have been your um, cauldron folks and people like that that actually make noise. Well, Seth, if you're used to going to games at a racetrack across the street from a Nebraska furniture mart, Austin might seem a little exotic, even if it's a bit toasty. Yeah, and I guess it, it gets warm on the planes, too. So Yeah, it does. And they are building a Nebraska uh, furniture mart next to HEB Center in Cedar Park, so they can come play hockey down here and feel right at home. Now, they already ran the scouts out of town, so we'll uh, we'll hold that hold on to that one. Um yeah, but I did see a bunch of them up at uh, Oscar Blues before the game. There's a whole contingent of folks with uh, wizard hats. And I get they used to be the wizards, but it was really weird. They're like children's costume hats. And at first, like, just looking at them, I thought they were, like, heavy, like a velvet type thing. They're, like, really the kind of, like, thin costume felt kind of thing. Um, but they left uh, a couple behind. So I'm now the proud owner of a... Uh, Kansas City Wizards fan section hat thing, I guess. Whatever. It looks like the hat that Mickey Mouse wore in Fantasia. Yeah. Yeah, no, here's the thing, like, I understand that that sounds kind of silly and it's very costumey, but like, that wouldn't even be like the ten weirdest things I've seen in the supporter section. <laughs> so, 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 let's go with some of those here, Charles. I mean, so, there's somebody who dresses up like an avocado. And who has a baby, and they dress the baby like an avocado. And he's very nice. He's no, he's a great person. Uh, there's that somebody dressed up like reptile from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that's the one I was going to call out. There's a full yeah. on reptile costume from that Mortal looked Kombat. very warm. He was he was two rows in front of me, and he was dying. Um, uh, I was trying well, to think yeah, of the other. Care, the, I'll give the Care Bears like those those outfits are insane. Yeah, oh, the Care Bears the the Yeti is yeah. insane is an insane outfit. Um, there's just so many 
in there that you're just like, how are you surviving? Somebody was in a full-on, like, alien, like, uh, Zentai suit one match. It was insane. With a head. They had a Zentai suit, and then they also had an alien head on. That, that's a bit much. But, I mean, hey, it's part of the atmosphere. It's uh, how the uh, the club sells tickets uh, since we don't have our own messy. Um, but I guess let's let's segue then into a topic we've been sort of ignoring in a few recent ones, uh, jersey fouls. And I'm not going to go like deep dive into this again, but like basically jersey fouls, you see somebody wearing a jersey and you go, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you wearing that here? Um, so, Seth, you want to go first? Uh, did you see any either on TV or at the fire game last night? Um, I always see there's all sorts of Jersey fouls. Um, the fire, a fire game is wonderful for spotting Jersey fouls. Um, my personal favorites last night included a, um, Capo wearing a long sleeve purple Real Madrid kit while waving flags and holding, um, a, what you call it, a megaphone at the same time. I'm like, wow. So especially they were playing Toronto who, I don't know if you've seen Toronto's third kits. So Toronto wore their third kits last night. That um, they're pinker than the Malibu stew kits. <laughs> yeah. But, By the way, there was a person in a Malibu stew kit in the supporters section last night, and I kept looking over and like seeing them out of my peripheral vision, thinking it was a messy kit. Yeah. And just being yeah. like that. Oh uh, wait, it's Malibu stew. But there was a. I mean, it, it was admittedly I saw it on Instagram, so I did not see it because I was obviously not at an Orioles game yesterday. But someone was wearing a messy Baltimore Orioles jersey yesterday. Yep. Like. Come on, people! Come on! Like at least, okay. Like you're gonna see, you're gonna see an inner Miami Messi kit at every single soccer game you go to for the next X number of years. I get that. Yeah, like, telling me Messi uh, can't hit a curveball. <laughs> I, I I will say this before going into the match on last night. There was a kid who had. Uh, an Inter Miami messy kit and shorts on going into the like Lexus Field Club seats. Full kit wanker. I saw a couple good jersey fouls yesterday. One, uh, <laughs> uh, one, the nameplate said party of and the number was four. And uh, unfortunately, it was when I was leaving the match and they were a little bit too far ahead of me to talk to them. But I was wondering which. Uh, which cast member of the the Fox hit party of five they weren't acknowledging. Um, I, I kind of assume it was probably like Nev Campbell or Scott Wolf, but I really wanted to hear that opinion. Uh, Are you sure had... it wasn't like a really, really convoluted way of doing party down because they're down one? The answer is no, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to respond to that. I've never watched party down. Judge me all you want to. Um, there's also somebody that, the nameplate said three and the number was 11. And I wasn't sure if that was like a reference to like the band. Cause they like really love the song Amber. Um, but I, I didn't understand that one at all. And then the last one, somebody in the supporter section had the nameplate was uh, twerk boy. And shockingly, the number wasn't 69, which I what? thought was just like a big miss on their part. Okay. I'm going to give that one on the kit manufacturer. Cause you just have to like, know it's your job to change that one around. <laughs> Yeah, I just felt like that was a missed opportunity. What was the number? Double zero. No. All right. Like, I could see if you put, like, Dreezy's number or something on there, and you're like, okay, well, I didn't know what to put or something, but, like, double zero, that's just lazy. Uh, By the way, I had a friend who, uh, do you guys remember when callback tones were a thing, when you would, like, call your friends and, like, a song would play? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. A friend whose was uh, Amber by 311. And it was like a really shitty cut quality of it. And he was one of those people that like never answers his phone. So like that song just like boils my blood and induces pure unadulterated rage. So I'm glad I didn't see that kit. Um, so note to self, Amber is not the color of your energy. <laughs> that is correct. Amber is not the color of my energy. It's Verde, Seth. Oh, my energy wrong. is Verde. I'm on the record now. Um, Brad, do you want to save us from talking about shitty quasi alt rock bands from the '90s? <laughs> so my party or my uh, Jersey foul that I saw was okay. If you don't know, Pat Mahomes owns part of Sporting KC, the mm-hmm. quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. But it's not okay to wear a full-on Patrick Mahomes Kansas City football jersey. Kansas City Chiefs jersey to the damn game last night. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. It, it, there were, and there were several, several SKC um, kits with Mahomes on the back as well. Yeah, I think so. I can actually defend the Chiefs one. Um, not like I'm saying I approve of it, but like I'm from St. Louis, obviously. You can wear a St. Louis Cardinals jersey literally fucking anywhere. Um, like you'll go to like a hockey game and in like Vegas or something. And if it's like the Blues playing the Knights, people will be in Cardinals jerseys. Um, it's considered formal attire. It's very Midwestern. Uh, and the Chiefs are not quite on that level, but they're close to that level, um, especially since they're winning right now. Um, I, For me, at least, and we'll let Charles and Seth kind of tie break here, the, like, sporting KC jerseys with Mahomes on the back are worse for me. Um, Seth, you want to go first? No, I, I'm actually fine with the sporting KC because he is an owner of the team. I'm okay with that. And honestly, like, if you are traveling and you are wearing anything from that city – um, like, I mean, at a, I mean, heck, I was wearing a Red Stars hat at the fire game last night. Um, like, there's, especially like in a place, in like, in, in, in the Midwest, like, it is so common, as long as you are showing something from that city. I mean, I guess like Cubs or White Sox gets a little dicey because you have two teams in one city. But like, if you're wearing something from that city, that's mid again, Devin's right, that's Midwestern formal. It's just what it is. It's not a foul. It's just, we've got nothing else going for us. We live in the Midwest. Yeah, like, it's not great, and it's not something, like, I would do, but, like, I get it. No, it's never appropriate to wear Chiefs gear anywhere. All right, yeah, we know, Broncos. Um, At least you didn't have to talk to them about football and have someone go, oh, you like the donkeys, here? I wouldn't talk to the Chiefs fans. We won this game yesterday. My blood pressure is way too high for this right now. Um, (laughs) Charles, where do you land on the uh, Mahomes tiebreaker? Um, I think it's weird, but I'm okay with it. I mean, my, uh, I come from a family of Chiefs fans. Um, so I get how, like, you just wear Chiefs gear anywhere because that's what my dad does. Um, and that's just like a very Midwestern thing of like, oh, it's a sports thing. It's fine. Yeah. No, like I, I got the city, right? So it's okay. Um, the one caveat to hear is that it's never okay to wear a Blackhawks jersey anywhere. Uh, at all. Uh, uh, oh, so oh, here's, here's a, um, a, the next question on this. So the last... Two fire games I've been to were against Montreal and Toronto. I saw at least 10 people in Canadian flag or Canada outfits for that. Do you, is that acceptable or not? Um, Like, what kind of, like, were they, like, actual, like, sports jerseys or just, so like? there were a couple Canadian men's soccer team. There was one person um, who was just wearing a Wee Wee shirt with a Canada flag on it. 
I wait, know. like I'm gonna let Canada do whatever Canada wants. It's Justin Trudeau's fault, Seth. Wait, like like the French. Oh, you I O U I. Okay. I thought that was an important yeah. clarification. <laughs> like, is it the is it yes. French for yes or American for P? Like, I think that's an important thing to know. <laughs> if, if it were or American, Scottish for small. Or if if it were the latter, this would have been leeching off the segment without even a question. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know what? Canada doesn't have much of like a historical soccer culture, so I don't think I would care. But like, if you went to like a game at like Club America, would you wear like a fucking American flag? That's weird. Yeah. No, you you wouldn't. But I I, I will give a shout out to like the twenty Toronto Ultras who showed up last night in Chicago because they were the exact opposite of the KC fans. They were jumping every time I saw them. I don't think a single one of them had their shirts on, despite the fact they had no shots on goal last night. <laughs> and didn't play in Sydney or Bernadeschi in their 20. Like, those are committed people. Like, give them some credit there. Yeah. Uh, I'm always happy to see, like, rowdy people from other fan bases, especially if they're not, like, historical soccer hotbeds or anything like that. Um, mine was there was a dude in, like, a like a penny kind of type shirt uh, that just said Kansas Flatball on it. And, like, I obviously don't like the University of Kansas for a variety of reasons, going back to, like, predating the Civil War. Um, But I had to Google what flatball was. And apparently in this, like, dopey-ass Lawrence, Kansas-ass town, they call Ultimate Frisbee flatball. So I had to do fucking homework because this guy's stupid jersey. (laughs) That's weird because I'm uh, I'm originally from Kansas and have cousins who are very big into, into that, and I've never heard of that. Okay. I went to the college that invented Ultimate Frisbee, and I have never heard it called that. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just something they made up to annoy me. We'll see. Um, wouldn't, it be the, wouldn't it be the first time? No, it wouldn't. Uh, definitely did not have Amber Energy after that. <laughs> um, any other bad jerseys we saw, or do you guys want to move into Stock I, Rising? I did recently also see a St. Louis City kit at the stadium. Oh, I saw somebody, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago in one of those in, like, a game we weren't playing them in. Yeah. Well, obviously, we haven't played them since the beginning of the year. Yeah. And it was maybe two or three games ago I saw a city kit. It was wild. But, but I, I will give an honorary shout-out to the best kit I saw. And I think I sent it to you guys, that the, uh, Milwaukee is getting a USL team in 2025. And a fan from Milwaukee was down in Chicago last night and had a tall boy jersey in a with a tall boy can with the number 19.2 on the back of it and had splashed which is peter wiltz who, who has started the fire started chicago house in the 11 forward madison had his own personal beer as a sponsor in a tall boy can on the front of the kit Come nice on. so That's if they were ever to wear anything like that in usl that would be spectacular and they're apparently getting like a fifteen thousand seat stadium so i'm definitely going to go up and see that whenever that happens yeah uh hopefully we can draw them in the open cup or something have some fun i was about to say milwaukee away days um yeah there would be a lot of really drunk people i love milwaukee as a city it is a really cool town and i would be happy to do an away day there as long as it's like May or later. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to go any time of the time. But in the summer, it's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll go up during a uh, summer fest. Or the state fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Stock rising. 
I'm nominally in charge here, so I got to keep us on the rails a little bit. Um, Charles, stock rising. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Johan Valencia. I thought he played really well in both matches when he got in there. Um, he had a little more attacking aggression last night in terms of forward passing. That was good. And uh, he did a really great job on Polito, who, uh, like I said b- before, was kind of in a little more, more of a reserved role. And they really kept him from linking um, any kind of like play between him and the strikers. Um, so he, I would say, is a like competent, competent starter in, if, in the event that uh, Pereira misses time, is definitely stock rising. Yeah, uh, good choice. That. It's probably who I would have picked if I had first uh, first draft. Brad, how about you? Uh, I've got Josh Wolf today. Um, I've been a pretty vocal critic of him. I, I made my thoughts clear, especially when we were having issues scoring goals over 31 games. But last night especially, managed the heat really well, managed the subs well, uh, given Danny and uh, Jairusi got hurt. Um and just thought he made some really smart, practical moves uh, to give us our best chance at getting all three points. So kudos to the gaffer. Yeah, uh, we'll give him a good shout whenever he, he does well. Seth, how about you? I mean, I got to give props again to our um, second goal scorer yesterday, Ethan Finley. This is now six straight starts for Ethan Finley, and I don't think any of us saw Ethan Finley having six straight starts in the summer leading up to this. And obviously, Rigoni is now hurt, but even then, like, he is out – performing obviously a little bit of a dud of a DP, but like he is proving himself once again to be a solid member of a starting 11 at age 32. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Like this is a guy who's actually going to turn 33 in the next few weeks. And he's still looking like he is a relatively fresh, able player who is getting in the right spaces, making crosses, doing the job of a winger. So stock rising. Yeah, he's been great. All we got to do is keep him uh, fit and firing. And uh, he's 32 until he's 33. That's how it works, right? Um, I'm going to go for another favorite early target of this podcast, Jossi Zardes. Um, I think we saw, you know, with uh, Maxi not exactly lighting the world on fire, had some chances he probably should have put away against Vancouver. Um, Jossi's making good runs, holding the ball up, scoring goals. He's doing everything we asked for him. Um, so... You know, he's he's doing well, and um, long may it continue. Uh, Brad, you want to lead us off for uh, stock falling? Yeah, let's go with MLS. Uh, specifically, MLS scheduling. Because this is, what, the fourth match in a row we've had to push back to 8.30? Because, oh, hey, guess what? It's hot as balls in Texas in the middle of the summer. Who could have seen that coming? Never would have guessed. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they, the fact they haven't preemptively just moved back the rest of the summer matches. They is... moved up the match on Friday from nine to seven thirty. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. Like none of nothing about the scheduling this year, when it comes to us playing at seven thirty consistently once the summer hit, makes any sense. And the same goes for Houston and Dallas too, right? It just can we just get smart here and play the Texas games at eight thirty or later? Yeah, well, I mean, you probably throw Miami and Orlando in there, too. Uh, well, Miami is more of a humidity thing, right? It, it, the humidity is not going to get any better or worse for the most part. Um, same well, with Miami. You, well, Miami, you have a lot more of a thunderstorm risk over there. Yeah. So sometimes you actually want to try to start earlier because you might have thunderstorms later as well. You're just trying to 
hoping you finish games. I mean, the fact that they built an outdoor stadium, the fact that they have an outdoor stadium and they're building a second outdoor stadium there just makes no sense to me. Just do better, okay, MLS slash Apple? Slash Jorge Mas, you have enough money to give Messi an absurd, absurd contract, but yet you don't have the amount of money to build an indoor stadium when you finally got to build your stadium and they let you build whatever you want? Yeah, stupid. All right, well, Seth's in the mood for stock falling. Why don't you go next? Um, I've already said my stock falling of the week is going to be our friends at We Are Austin TV, um, that they are getting into a movie. There's a couple things they did this week that really got on my nerves. First of all, the, the whole Rodney story. Yes, it's like, we've got a story here. We've got a story here. And now, like, no, you don't. And like part of me knowing how hyper online Josh Wolf is, probably could see that to be like, you know what? I'm going to go play him right now just to spite you. Um, which would not be out of character for him, which is kind of crazy in its own right. But that Ernan uh, missed on that story and then had a ridiculous, ridiculous tweet on Thursday that was talking about how our fan base is too negative. And if I want to look at the most negative people on the fan base and who gets amplified by them, it is our friends bro and bro and more bro at We Are Austin TV. So for amplifying bad takes, especially when we're winning, stock falling to the folks at We Are Austin TV. All right. Seth's starting to some inter-fan media warfare here. Um, So I guess I better figure out how to use Twitter to defend us. Um, uh, Charles? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna piggyback on Brad of uh, home matches in the summer, but I think the other part of that is, you know, our medical staff, uh, seeing the, you know, consistent muscle injuries that just seem to continue and get re-aggravated, you know, everybody knows that it's going to be hot and humid and, you know, you think we, that with all that goes into sports science in terms of investment of time and money and, um, uh, that it would just be better. Like, you know, it, it seems silly that there would ever be a situation where, you know, your star player on the team is re-aggravating injuries in the first half. And while you're, you also have a DP out with an injury and you have your other DP out also with an injury that's recurring. Um, and it is not a good time for Austin to be losing all these guys. No. And you've got a, a new sporting director who uh, people are going to say, Oh, why don't you go out and sign someone? And, you know, I don't think most people understand like, that's not going to be his window. Um, he's basically getting his feet wet and kind of seeing the process right now. Um, so it just sort of adds to to the extra stress there. Uh, I kind of vacillated. I had a couple in mind, and I was thinking about going for Owen, but I think the last 20 or 30 minutes of yesterday pushed um, him off of that for me. So I'm going to go with ESPN for passing over Brad Stuber for the ESPY Award for two years in a row. Um I kind of understood when they gave it to Albert Pujols as like a lifetime achievement. You've done a lot of great community work thing, but um, you nominate Brad two years in a row and uh, don't give it to him either time. So uh, stock falling ESPN, although I'm not sure anybody on the planet actually watches the ESPs anyways. I don't know. Um, also, you know what? Jesus Pereira taking penalties. But I was going to say, the ESPYs were scheduled. I mean, the ESPYs always brag about how like they're the only night where nothing else is going on in professional sports. Well, they managed to schedule against a Gold Cup semi and against a full MLS slate. So congratulations to the ESPYs on not recognizing soccer as a sport once again. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll come back around as soon as it's convenient again. Like they did as, as soon as, as they have a, a major property on their network, sure. Yeah. As always, fuck ESPN. Yup. Worldwide leader in uh, nothing. And talking about NFL football in their offseason. 
that's the only thing they lead in. Yeah. Or and the NBA. They they they, they do yeah. they do a bunch of talking about trades in summer league. Yeah. Summer- uh they have gotten pretty good about uh showing random weird sports a la ESPN eight the Ocho. Uh, I think I saw like competitive what was it? Not cornhole, but something competitive horseshoes or something the other day. There's well, I've absolutely on. seen competitive cornhole on ESPN too. Yeah. And I've seen pickleball on there. All right, we're not going to dive down this rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, moment of suffering, Seth. Uh, biggest moment of suffering is I would still say seeing Eddie Turf fields. Like, I never want to see that field at BC Place again. Uh, yeah, that would be nice, but unfortunately, we will. Unfortunately, uh, we're going to see it a few more times, and and then we'll let, let people enjoy the field that I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go see in person Labor Day weekend in New England. Uh, which that's that's a sight to be seen. Yeah, uh, Charles. Uh, my moment of suffering was the 10 minute walk I had to the stadium that caused me to break out into a sweat before I even got my ticket scanned. Uh, and it was just kind of a good reminder of like oh, this is actually a terrible idea that we're playing these matches like in an outdoor stadium at this time. And even with moving it back, it was still ungodly hot. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be, I don't know what it actually ended up being, like 99 at the end of the game um, at 10.30 p.m. So, yeah, like if that's in the forecast, it's an interesting idea. Uh, Brad, how about you? I had something extremely similar written down. It was 9.36 p.m. when we were coming out for the second half and I looked at my phone to see what the weather was and it was 99 degrees. Uh, no, just, it was disgusting. And not to mention yesterday was a great time all day with choo-choos and brews, but I had been going since one o'clock um, and was hydrating during the day. But man, I was really starting to feel it about that time. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a long, long, long day. Um, I was going to say, how many, how many trips to the bathroom did you have after uh, choo-choo and brew and that weather of hydrating both So ways? during the game, only one, which was halftime, because I was sweating stuff out left and right, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But before the game, I mean, several. Because I was – I the one the one really nice thing uh, with choo-choo and brews, LV had partnered with a, a – I forget the name of it. Drip Drop is, I think, the name of the company to uh, offer, like, the electrolyte powder packets that go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were at Hop Squad waiting for us afterwards, and we've been drinking water all day. But I was able to kind of like really make sure we we're good to go before the game and be hydrated. I actually didn't have a beer after about six o'clock yesterday. I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, um, that gets there's a certain heat point where it's just like, no, sorry. Um, it, like you're literally sweating it out before anything actually goes in um, <laughs> and gets absorbed. Um, I think I'm going to go for watching Danny fall because that scares the shit out of me more than pretty much anything else that can happen to this team. Like we have guys in midfield who can progress the ball and who can defend a little bit and who can press and who can come back and receive and all those sorts of things. But we don't have anybody who can do everything the way Danny can. And um, I'm hoping we will see him again not just for Austin FC this year, Austin FC next year, but also he has a very bright future ahead of him if he can get his visa stuff sorted. Uh, So I hope this doesn't become like a a snag for him. On that point, I think moving forward, we really need to see Owen be more assertive to getting the ball. Because in the midfield, he's the only other option we really have, especially when Jerusi's out. 
to be creative with the ball at his feet. Um, he started doing that late in the game last night, but we need him to be a lot more um, of that because that's what Danny did is he broke lines with his feet and offered that extra dimension. And Owen's the only other guy that we have that can do that right now. Yeah, and even when he did break free a couple times this week, like he's either making the run too narrow and letting the uh, the defender cut someone off. You saw it with the the chance with Maxi late. Um, he's not pushing to the other the far post enough, or he's releasing the ball too late. And I mean, like he's a you know he's a young player, fine, he'll learn all this stuff. But um, if people keep getting hurt, we need him to learn it a little faster. Yeah, one of the things that I think is always interesting to look at Austin FC stats after the match is just how many fewer touches Owen has than his other midfield partners. Um, And that really is just like a part of the game that he needs to work on. Yeah. Um, Did we have uh, XG numbers from both games? Or uh, I think we were like, what, around one to a half last night? Yeah, yeah. Football reference, XG had Austin winning 1-0.5 to 0.5 for Kansas City. And uh, they had they had Vancouver at 2.5 and Austin at 0.7. But most of their XG was the actual goal. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's about on point, I guess. Um, yeah, we kind of hit on the refereeing. Anything else you guys want to touch on here? It's going to be – the next few weeks are just going to be weird. Like, I don't think we've, I mean, we, we sort of covered this in the other podcasts that hopefully you'll all listen to as well, but just walking a, into a tournament in a period where we don't know what to expect is just going to be like, okay, it's going to be 35 days until we play another MLS match in theory. And it could even be another week if somehow we or St. Louis makes a deep run in Leagues Cup. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. And we're just coming into a really interesting period of uncertainty ahead. Yeah, well, hopefully yeah. it's a it's a certainty or uncertainty period where we get a little healthier. I'm curious. I'm really curious to see how the entire league approaches League's Cup. Which teams are going to go serious and all out? Which teams are kind of just going to see what happens? And this is from both leagues, not just MLS, but how do the Liga MX teams come at this? Because I'm not so sure they're motivated to play in this thing either. Yeah, it's also, I, I think one of the things that Austin fans haven't quite understood yet is that we got a really advantageous schedule for this. You know, we we have both, not just having both matches at home, but also that we have a week break between the two matches. Both of the other teams have the midweek Tuesday match, which, by the way, if you want to go to, is super cheap right now. Tickets start at like $25 in the North End. Um, Temperature started at 100 And so I... <laughs> And so, you know what? But, uh, they, but they moved that match back to eight thirty in their civilized minds, so they could do it for the Mexican teams, but they can't do it for Austin FC. None of this applies logic, Seth. This is Concacaf. <laughs> we don't do that here. No, no, um, no. no but, we, we, I'm, but I'm yeah. very interested to see um, what the kind of turnout is for that match on Tuesday. And I think Austin, you know, and and talking about how serious Austin takes it, like much in the same way of how Austin treated Open Cup. You know, we got a good draw again. Yeah, I mean, that's served us well in the past. <laughs> uh, I, I, I had a really good discussion with somebody about whether or not uh, Amro Tarek actually exists, uh, because we've never actually seen him on U.S. soil in, in a match. We will, oh, the the only confirmed sighting of him in the United States is at a pool, and I guess at St. David's. Yeah, no, the St. David's, uh, David's ones are deep fakes. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh gosh. No, it is a silly, silly world here. So, uh, yeah, that's actually something Tom hit on too. Last night in the press conference, Josh Wolf said, we don't have the money. We need a center back and we don't have money right now. You spent a quarter of a million dollars on Amro Tariq. And I get he had the bad game, right? But if there was ever a chance to bring the guy back in and let him try to play, it's League's Cup, right? It's got to be League's Cup. I mean, do we want to go full, like, Keystone Cops and start him and Kippy and Brandon Craig as a back three? Why not? (laughs) But, I mean, you're complaining that you don't have depth. The odds of you getting a new center back this window probably aren't that high because if you just told me we don't have the money to go do it and we're not doing any buyouts on contracts or getting some guys out of here to open up money, then play them and see if you have anything to potentially work with. Yeah, I I have no idea. I don't think we're ever going to see him again. I don't think so either. I just think it's dumb roster management. I mean, it yeah, is. He, but... Yeah, he's he's the obvious choice for the buyout this year. Uh, for sure. But if you've given Kip so many opportunities this year, and we have. We've given Kip opportunity opportunity to grow and get better. Amro had some terrible mistakes at Violet. Unless he's replicating those mistakes continuously and getting cooked in training, he should be getting the same amount of opportunities as Kip. But like, if, but the question is, is is he training? Is he taking the team seriously? Is he doing other things like that? I think he's. We're going to call it the Caruso treatment at this point. Of right. like, you've done something in practice. You've done something else to piss off Coach Wolf, and that's it seems like once that happens, good luck. I would just kill to have Romagna back right now. But like, <laughs> how do we think Romagna would be holding up in this level of heat? Like, uh, we he would have quite a bit of stock falling here. It's not like he's the magic cure here. I mean, we could rotate him in, uh, play halves, uh, I guess. I, I don't see him. Well, I mean, nobody really did well in 90 minutes of that on Saturday. But, yeah, I don't know. We we need help, and we need it fast, and we need it everywhere um, with the amount of people keep that keep getting injured. Well, like, this team is still in fifth place. Like, I know it's kind of, like, we could be in 12th place in, like, two weeks um, come September because it's MLS. But, like... We're in fifth place right now. Like, for as much complaining we've rightfully done and everything else, like, we're not in a terrible spot. We have a tough schedule coming up in, in August. But, like, eh. Yeah, we need – weird. We need – out of the last 11 matches, I think we need roughly about a 1.2, 1.3 per point game average. And we get that we at our worst in the play-in game. I mean, um, one point, 43 points is enough to get us – into eight nine game and five I think forty six is what I'm looking at as the number to get us to the seven seed. Gotcha. So I mean we don't need to accomplish that much in the last eleven games of the year in order to get into the playoff. And like I said earlier, I think the West is just wide ass open. Unless this Chucky Lozano signing goes through for LAFC then But even LA... Chucky, even even Chucky Lozano is not like Okay, he's mostly going to be replacing Carlos Vela. Like, but, but if they get healthy, if they if LAFC punts on League's Cup, and I'm not sure they will because I think they're going to want CCL um, uh, to try to make up for that. And remember, but, they, they don't have to play, they don't have to play a group stage match for sure. But if they do, but they make a run, they could play four or five extra matches in August, right? Yeah. Versus sit back, get a little healthy after this crazy run they've been on of games that they've had to play for making up games from CCL and everything else. They're still the team to me that I look at the West and go, if they're healthy, they're the team to beat. 
If they get Lozano, it only makes him more dangerous. Especially if they get a couple weeks to integrate him. Remember, they are the one seed in this tournament. They don't have – if they just keep winning, they just get to play five matches at home. They don't have to travel anywhere. If I am LAFC, I'm going all out to win League's Cup to prove that, that our loss in CCL was not – was just a fluke. They are probably the most motivated MLS team – well, maybe Inter-Miami for ratings purposes. But, like, I think that they're – that those two, those two are your most motivated teams for League's Cup. Is there anybody from League MX that you think is interesting or interested um, I, in this tournament? I, I, I think most of your big teams are going to be interested in this tournament because they're trying to win over American fans. Okay. So like it's, they're interested in from it, from the marketing perspective of this. So like yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what the crowds are like in the U S for the bigger Mexican club games and how much those might turn into home games for them. So I had this thought last night too, Seth. And I'm coming to Seth who knows everything because I, I, I don't have an answer. And maybe I'll answer this on the podcast I'll pre-recorded for the um, League's Cup preview. What happens or where do they play if it's two Liga Emekis teams playing in a knockout match? Has that been decided? So, so that is – so they have a list of stadiums available for knockout stage matches. I will read off the list here um, in a second. Uh, Q2 is one of them. Oh, yeah, yes. they can play. Yes, so that there are third. No, no, Wikipedia doesn't have it. It's I've seen the list. Give me a second. I should have had this ready. Okay, I mean, so I they get like a twenty-five dollar ticket, like Rayados versus somebody. I'd absolutely do that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah so same. Is, yeah, same. That sounds like a fun experience. Yeah, I was gonna say so that, but like it's, it's interesting. So your choices are so both LA stadiums, um, Utah, San Jose, SeatGeek. For some reason here, God, I, I'd feel terrible if two teams end up at SeatGeek. That that that's just cruel. Um, Frisco, also cruel. Nick Sporting Goods in Colorado, also cruel. Houston, actually not as bad because at least there's something there. Orlando, Red Bull Arena, Philly, or DC. Okay. My guess is that the finals of this tournament are going to be at um, at BMO in LA, but that's also partly me thinking LAFC is probably going to do well enough to make it there. But it's also like that's probably the best place you're going to get a crowd and get nice shots and everything else. So let's just say, though, it somehow comes out to Tigres versus Monterey. Do yeah. they not think about playing that final here or in Houston? Um, they, they may very well. I mean, if that is your final, like it's interesting because none of these venues here, the largest of these venues, as I'm running it real quick, is probably Orlando at like 25K. Yeah. So, but like, if you end up with a huge Mexican final, do you, you quickly look at the NFL schedule and be like, oh, the Texans are away this week. Uh, let's get on RG. I think you do. Well, I, mean, I actually don't know if the Texans are away, but like, or the Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys. The Texans are always away. If you've been to a Texans game, they're always away. <laughs> the Texans are home. The, the Texans are home <laughs> against the Dolphins. Um, they can move that game to Shell Energy Stadium or to the. Uh, uh, TDECU, uh, where the uh, where the, what you call it, the Cubes play. Um, that actually, might the, be good, well, but that actually might be a good spot for a League Cup final too. Yeah, where the Cubes. Yeah, play. yeah, but the problem is that's mostly bleachers, and there's even less shade there than downtown. Is I'm sorry, is the final the 19th or the 20th? The 19th. Okay. So it's a Saturday night, and it's also unclear if the third place game will be held in the same building as the final. Roll your dice. Make because, your guesses. Why would they announce these things ahead of time? 
I mean, they haven't even announced the roster rules yet. Why would they? Why would you think they'd have the third life game figured out? They haven't announced the group tiebreakers, and the tournament starts in five days. <laughs> I'm just convinced this thing is being built up by by MLS to be this huge event, and the final four is going to be all League of Max teams. I'm yeah. absolutely yeah. convinced this is happening. And, and 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 fine. And and honestly, they'll probably get pretty good ratings on Univision and things like that. But it's but it's also going to be. Like what? We're gonna have CCC with like eight Liga MX teams now. I mean, it's probably gonna be a better competition. Yeah, they don't think that far ahead. Well, yeah, and the Liga Tortoise news this week as well. Like that could potentially be happening in the next year or two as well, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, it sounded like the new competition is gonna be a preseason thing in uh, February. That's what that's what I'm hearing. But All your other is. questions are answered on the podcast, I promise, Brad. Okay, fair. <laughs> um, anything else you guys want to jump in on um, before we get out of here? All right, well, uh, Mazatlan on Friday. Well, I, I guess, what, what, yeah. so um, for our viewers, when are we doing, are we going to do any of these during League's Cup, or what, what's our plan here? Uh, we're going to see, because uh, as we discussed, it's the same time as the women's game. So we're going to sort of order of priority this. We'll at least do like some sort of check-in on Austin. Um, but I don't know what the schedule of release is going to be yet. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll figure things out. I'm going down to the Women's World Cup for two weeks. So um, I'm going to trade the very temperate 80s here in Chicago for the 50s in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, but yeah, I'll get, get to break out some winter gear for uh, the winter, the winter uh, Women's World Cup. Yeah, do I wear like a combo USA Austin like outfit? No, on no, 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 no. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Seth. The answer is uh, no. Also, that outfit exists. It's the bacon kit. No, 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 no. The combo was going to be like an Austin kit with a USA hat. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. No, I was thinking like a 50 50 kit. Yeah, uh, no, no, yeah. That was terrible. Yeah, I thought 50 50 kit, and I was like, no. No, I want to support, support both teams because they're playing at the same time, but I'm going to be at the game Friday night. So if I wear my Austin kit, but like my USA Shield hat or whatever, it seems fine. Should, yeah. should the Jumbotron show the U.S. – well, we don't know what time the Austin game is starting. But assuming it is not starting at exactly 8 o'clock, that should the Jumbotron show the U.S. women's game while we're at half? Oh, absolutely. No. No, interesting. I don't. I don't think at halftime, no. I think either pre-match or even offering it post-match, depending on the start time makes sense but i'm also the person who doesn't understand why apple tv plus like rap like knock around show isn't just on the pregame yeah that's they showed it during the delay a few weeks ago yeah during the dallas game they actually had like the knock around going on the on the big on the big screen yeah i think they should do that more pre-match like i mean one like i'm already paying for it or I'm sorry, it's already technically part of my package, like season ticket package. So I should just get access to it anyway during the stadium. I don't know. They could just up their internet and we could watch it on our phones. Hey, you know what? I I will tell you, I'm watching um, penalty kicks uh, Wednesday night at Soldier Field. It's really easy because when there's like 8,000 people at Soldier Field, there's no problem streaming whatever you want on your phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I've seen enough people streaming other matches in the supporter section. Like during the match going on, to think that the internet's not that bad. Yeah. Oh, maybe they're just using all of it. I don't know. Because yeah. um, I used to do that like order ahead thing, and I can't even get enough like bandwidth there to even do that on their own stupid app. Although that might be their app. 
that's always my favorite part of going to a match, by the way. It's always when I get home, I get a notification from the app that it's now okay to order at the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> every, it, without fail, every match, this happens. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe we'll get lucky and they'll reschedule the match to, you know, 11 p.m. on the 14th of Fructidor or some other fucking month of the French Re- Republican calendar or something, um, where none of us can actually tell when it is. Who knows? It's MLS. It's CONCACAF. All right. Uh, anything else? That's all I got. That's all I got. All right. Well, we didn't hit our uh, our max level of uh, 90 minutes, so good for us. Um, on behalf of uh, Charles, Seth, and Brad, as always, uh, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness! He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just... Impossible! The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.